The Fanny Mechanic Show with Dr. Tash, where we dive in, go deep, and open up about women's health. Hello and welcome everyone to the Fanny Mechanics Show. I am your host, Dr. Natasha Andriatis, aka Dr. Tash, and this episode is proudly brought to you by City Fertility, Global Leaders in Fertility and IVF. In this episode, we dive into the topic of Femtech. We go deep with Megan Capriccio, CEO and co-founder of the Femtech Collective. Megan opens up about the Femtech industry. What does Femtech actually mean? Well, according to Wikipedia... Femtech, or female technology, is a term applied to a category of software, diagnostics, products, and services that use technology often to focus on women's health. This sector includes fertility solutions, period tracking apps, pregnancy and nursing care, women's sexual wellness, and reproductive system healthcare. A little bit about Megan. She has more than 10 years' experience as a product manager, business strategist, and entrepreneur. As CEO and co-founder of Femtech Collective, Megan coaches, mentors, and consults for global and local women's health companies, investors, and partners. As an entrepreneur, Megan has dedicated her career to ensuring that women have more control over their realities, health, education, and career. Most recently, Megan was selected as one of the industry-wide's top 10 influential women leaders to follow in 2021. We discussed a few of our favorite femtech products and books centered around women, tech, medicine, and health. I hope you enjoy our chat. Megan Capriccio, is that how I say your name? Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Italian yeah. background? Yeah, that's right. Um, my, my father is 100% Italian, but it's a a few generations back now, so American-Italian. And can you tell us more about the American in you? Because obviously you've got an American accent. Yeah, so I was born in Southern California, um, lived in California most of my life, um, came to Australia about almost seven years ago, um, originally came to do a Master's of International Relations with a focus on... Um, a feminist lens of politics, um, started working at the university and never left. <laughs> mm. I've been here a long time and almost on my way to PR. So hopefully we'll be there soon. <laughs> and what university was that? Oh, that was the University of Sydney. And what were you doing there? I was doing a, a master's of international relations. Oh, yeah. How long did that take? Oh, that's a two-year degree. And and what was the highlight of doing that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, it, I got to actually work in um, in the government, the graduate school government, and on um, and on a project called the Electoral Integrity Project um, while I was studying. Um, that, that project looked at how much um, integrity elections have around the world. Um, turns out it's declining. <laughs> um, and I think working in that space, looking at um, politics more broadly, um, how international relations actually affects women on a, a different scale, <laughs> um, was kind of probably how I ended up in, in Femtech um, as well. Um, so I was really looking at how 
um, in times of crisis. So we're learning about genocides and um, wars and you know mass poverty, um, how women are affected at a different degree and how women's everyday health, um, you know, in times of crisis, it, how and how much perspective um, they are taken care of if, if most countries in the world are led by men. Um, so I really came out of it with that <laughs> understanding that uh, if women are really going to progress forward and really strive for equality, um, their very basic right to health really has to be taken into consideration. So fast forward, now you're CEO and co-founder of the Femtech Collective. That's uh, right. Uh, tell us more about how you got got to what you're doing now with that. So you finished your degree. Yeah. You had a bit of inspiration, it sounds. Yeah, that's right. Um, so before I, I had done my master's, I had established a, a company in the U.S. Uh, with my, my brother, actually, um, that supported um, the education and career of women, um, it, specifically in the wine and spirits industry. Um, my family had worked in that industry for a long time. Um, it wasn't of particular interest for long term for me, um, for that industry. But what I found was that women needed particular support and because it was still quite a male dominated field and women were part of the product, let's say. Um, and really starting that business um, and then doing my master's kind of really sparked this idea that if healthcare systems are failing women and so are governments and most countries are led by men and most companies are led by men, um, that really the best way forward for women is technology and innovation. Um, so I came across um, the femtech industry and became quite involved. Um, and Femtech Collective, which is originated and headquartered out of Silicon Valley, um, I came on to and started being an ambassador and really ran with the idea that Australia needs <laughs> more support in this space um, and was very active to make femtech a, a broader industry in Australia. Um, and yeah, got really got along really well with my co-founder and that's how we're here. So you ended up coming to Australia to work for femtech or for other reasons? Oh, apologies. So I was doing my master's here already. Yeah. Um, and then in that process, uh, learned about Femtech Collective and Femtech more broadly um, and started with the Femtech Collective after after okay. my study. Yeah. So tell us more about Femtech Collective. Sure. Actually, so before before you go into that, I might um, – I might interject here by quoting one of your fans, who is Kirsty Chong, who is the CEO <laughs> and founder of Modi Body, uh, who was also the first person I ever interviewed for the Fanny Mechanic podcast. Wow, wonderful. Yeah, but she says, I'm very excited by the work Femtech is doing to champion new innovations, tech diagnostics and services that are providing much needed solutions in women's health. To have dedicated network in Australia is vital to this industry, getting the voice and funding it deserves. With the leadership of Megan Capriccio, I have no doubt this industry will burgeon in Australia. 
Yeah, it's very nice of her, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that's very nice to hear. Um, yeah, for Femtech Collective, we're, we're really wanting to bring that education and awareness of the broader Femtech industry. Um, we are a global company, but I have a particular interest in excelling it in Australia. Um, for those for those who are unfamiliar, so we we see femtech as a tech category of products, services, diagnostics, um, and pharmaceuticals that support female health. Um, so, in response to that, Femtech Collective is the world's largest network for entrepreneurs, innovators, and professionals in female health technology, uh, with our mission to to catalyze quality innovation and by providing strategic opportunities for the broader femtech ecosystem. Uh, we do this by amplifying um, the acceleration of products and services for female health. Um, we realize that the broader femtech industry brings with it unique challenges. Um, so namely regulatory constraints, the industry made of primarily female founders, which brings a whole different slew of difficulties with funding and uh, these kinds of things. Um, and also just more broadly and globally, uh, women's health or female health being a low priority. Um, so therefore our, our ultimate goal is to grow the global femtech industry uh, by offering strategic support to leaders and innovators and connect them with resources for success. And do those leaders need to be women? Oh, absolutely not. Um, we would love much more diversity in the space. Um, what we're really seeing is a lot of the founders coming through are creating products or companies that have supported their own health journey, um, at least at this stage of the industry. Um, so with that in mind, many of them tend to be female. Um, but I would love to see more male co-founders or more, more male founders starting um, innovations in the space. Um, because really that's the industry we're working against this industry. And if our, if femtech is a new industry is, well, really slanted to one gender and um, we're really becoming part of the problem. Can you give us any examples of, um, of any companies you've helped or any women that you've helped champion that may be familiar to us already? Sure. Um, so just, uh, are you specific, um, companies in our network. Is that what you're after? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so a particular one I I quite like, um, there's a company called Baymatab. Um, they're currently developing a product called Ali. So they're a medical technology company. Um, it's a non-invasive device to monitor pregnancy and labor. Um, it also provides a, a novel viewpoint of labor using new measures to de determine how labor is progressing. Um, it's essentially um, an innovation on the CTG um, to better support both mom and bub and to provide um, longer term data um, on how the progress of pregnancy and labor is developing. Um, we're very excited to work with them and we've done a lot of work with them to um, showcase their, their products as well as helping with um, various ideas as far as marketing, uh, publicity, um, a little bit in the fundraising space, and so on. Um, 
they're they're a very interesting company. And another one we've worked with a bit as well is um, Life Whisper from um, Presogen. I think they might have been on your show before. Um, they use um, AI to mm-hmm. better identify healthy embryos in IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, two very interesting um, Aussie companies that we're really excited to see uh, doing quite well in, in the femtech space. There's a lady called um, Chantel Preston of Femtech Focus who says, and I quote her, we have to get more women involved. And if you look at the past, the history of venture capital and the private equities, it's mainly a male-dominated market. If we're going to continue to promote these female companies, products and services, we need to get more women involved. They understand the problems. They understand what the solutions are. What are your thoughts on that, Megan? Yeah, it's an interesting statement. I I do believe um, we definitely do need more um, representation and gender equity across industries. Um, It'll be the best way forward for all genders to be represented and heard. Um, I do wonder if, um, if part of that statement is a a band-aid to the the larger wound, I guess is one metaphor for it. Um, being that um, although the long-term solution is for us to have more male allies um, or more allies across genders, um, to see why it's worth investing in female health from a societal perspective. Yes, more women in BC would allow us to start showing what femtech can do and how broad the impact is, Um, but I don't I don't want femtech founders to only be pitching to female investors. Um, we, essentially, we can't, for the long term, we can't only be preaching to our own choir. Um, we still need men in the room to engage with female health innovation, acknowledge how it's supporting women, and recognize why it's a, a lucrative investment. Um, broader gender equity across industries will really ensure there's equal representation on both sides of the investment table. Um, and yes, starting with more women in the room um, is definitely the first step to get there. Um, but I don't want that to be the last step, <laughs> mm. um, which is, is kind of brings us back to what we were talking about before of having more rep- representation of other genders in the femtech industry as well. Um, to have it um, on both that gender equity on both sides is really going to be the most beneficial for, you know, the patients we are trying to, to assist. So do you think that starts at school and, and STEM, you know, training, getting girls more into science or math? Do you think that is actually important at all? Or do you think that, that, that oh, you know, you don't, that, that a woman doesn't have to study science or math to get into fem, fem tech? Oh, I, I think there's many aspects of fem tech um, that – women can be a part of. I didn't study science or maths. I come more from the business perspective and um, actually more the human rights angle. Um, I think there, I think there's definitely need to have um, more women in STEM and more equity across, um, say, male-dominated spaces, like you can say finance in these different spaces um, to really ensure that there's representation across the industry. Um, but is it the only thing you have to do is to be in STEM? No, of course not. I think there's value 
um, in different areas of business and strengths. Um, and if you are a user case, <laughs> particularly with a lot of these founders coming through, um, they may have not been, um, they may have not studied science or medicine, um, but they themselves had a very uh, unique struggle that they wanted to provide a health solution for, and were really determined to find, to fix the problem. Um, so I think if you're able to really be enthusiastic and um, go after what you want, I think that's also a great quality to have. Yeah, I think Kirsty Chong of Modi Bodies, um story is pretty awesome you know she there she was you know running enjoying running and marathon training and found that she needed underwear to wear so that she wasn't peeing mm. through her through her un, you know onto her um whatever lululemons or whatever she was wearing yeah um yeah i thought i love her story do you wear body body underwear I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I like I like my Maddie bodies, especially to sleep in. They're they're great. Same, especially the little um, boxer like style shorts. Yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. So, Femtech Collective offers services including membership, mentoring, and coaching. Mm -hmm. So, say for example, I'm you know obviously a doctor. I come to you, Megan. You know what can you offer me? Uh, how would you how would you explain that to me? Sure. Um, so, I, as a doctor, that would it would of course depend on what you would like next. <laughs> um, so, for so instance, I have to come to you with an idea? No, no, no. I I guess my there's doctors come to us for a variety of um, different ways. Uh, they might be interested in being more involved in a femtech company that already exists. Um, they may have a idea for a femtech company. They may want to start one themselves, um, or they might want to offer um, further partnership to um, accelerate or amplify um, different health areas. Um, for our broader members, most of them come to us because they are looking to either change their career, have a career shift towards femtech, um, with a big portion of them wanting to start their own companies. Um, they're, they're really um, coming to us with a need for um, our membership to our global community. Um, and again, that's really our, our, our bread and butter. Um, it allows you the opportunity to connect with female health innovators, stakeholders from around the world, um, it also allows you to take advantage of um, our different services where we help founders with business strategy and strategic partners, um, find quality investors and PR opportunities. Um, and of course, being a member of our community awards, you significant discounts to our other offerings as well. And what, what, um, what are they? What are those other offerings? Yeah, so um, those, those offerings look... Um, are really sitting with uh, strategy coaching sessions that might be one-on-one -on -one sessions to discuss um, what your next steps are, if you're looking to work in a company itself or start your own. Um, so really coming from ideation to building a business plan or business model um, and navigating the subtech market. Uh, we also offer networking opportunities, uh, regular educational events, um, market reports, and uh, we're actually meant to launch a mentorship program later this year as well. 
So say if I had an idea, and I think a lot of other gynecologists have had this idea of mm-hmm. a nicer speculum to use when I'm either doing a pap smear or an embryo, embryo transfer. So say I had this idea, I don't really know where to go with it, but I need guidance. Is Femtech mm-hmm. Collective the place to go to? Yeah, it, it would, it sounds like, I mean, I have to do more interesting my personal research into uh, your your product. Um, but the idea is that we would get you on the right track. So assessing, um, we would work with you to assess um, what the market would look like for that, what your overall plan would be. Sounds like it might be a medical device. So we would look at um, what that would need to do to be TGA approved. Um, have you really look at your broader, what the broader commitment and financials would be. Um, This sometimes is either a make or break for a lot of founders, um, especially when it comes to having to bootstrap or self-fund their their products Um, and really get you um, in the, with the right resources and connected to the right people to allow you for success. Um, Again, I myself don't have um, a background in medicine. So I'm not at all going to tell you that it's um, medically suitable or um, guide you in that <laughs> manner in any way. And of course, your expertise would be quite valuable there. Um, but the idea is to let you know how, what the broader landscape is, individuals who might be able to collaborate with you um, and see how we can put you in the best position to allow you to succeed. Yeah, it sounds like um, you, you could connect me with a lot of people that would help get to, you know, a, from A to B and B to C, mm. et cetera. Okay, that's great to know because they, I often speak to women who have ideas mm-hmm. and they just don't know where to go to grow that idea. So it sounds like Femtech Collective is is a place to go to potentially. Yeah, I think I think that's the right way to say it. It's, it's really seeing if we can – get your idea to come to life. And if we feel that it's out of our broader reach, we have, you know, no qualms on passing you on to the right person to make that happen. You mentioned a few companies earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there any other company that you you could be free to talk about at the moment and what they're doing? That could be exciting for people to listen to. Um, There's another, uh, there's actually another Aussie company that I've, spoken with recently um they're they're called lactimo i'm not sure if you've heard of them previously no um they've created a a soft spear um it's slightly textured um it almost looks like a softer version of one of those spiky balls that you get from the physio Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i feel like that's not the perfect description but i can imagine it so i think (laughs) you're you're describing it pretty well (laughs) right okay um, and the, the concept um, is it uses the combination of temperature, movement, and compression to be able to massage the breasts um, during lactation. Mm. Um, and it's really help. it's used to help resolve um, common breastfeeding issues um, and really encourage um, lactation. Um, it's a very innovative um, product. And I know that the the founder is making very strategic um, partnerships to ensure, um, you know, new mums have 
a, a great experience and with lactation, especially and or with breastfeeding, especially with their first child. Um, it's, it's very interesting way forward. I, I never thought about it in that form and that a product of this um, type could really, you know, really change that whole experience, especially when it's the first uh, bonding experience for mom and bub. Yeah, because breastfeeding can be so painful and mm. uh, imagining something kind of massaging it. I, I, I think it could either be more painful or nice and you know, calming. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about that product and whether it's strapped on or, you know, I don't know. That's that's really interesting. So how long until that product is available, do you know? Um, Great question. I, it might be already available. I saw that they were in the news this week. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quote me on it if you can't buy it off of Amazon tonight. <laughs> um, but um, I think um, they were. it was pretty well developed the last time I checked in with them. Um, and what are your like favorite, I, um, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, do you have any favorite femtech developments or products that you personally use? Yeah, I, um, there's quite a few. Well, Apart from Body Body Underwear. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned Body Body. Um, I do use a bit of, um, Dane's, that's D-A-M-E's, um, sexual health and wellness products. Um, they're a, and they're a sexual health and wellness or sex tech company that um, has a lot of um, ungendered, maybe that's not the, the best term. Gender neutral? Thank you. Gender neutral um, devices um, that really aren't, let's say, aggressive or um, phallic. <laughs> it's usually one that women aren't, you know, particularly stoked on. Um, that I, I really like, and they're very um, accommodating to much more to women's sexuality and women's needs. They're quite good as well. So are they sex um, toys? What are they? Um, yeah, I don't particularly like the term sex toys, but yeah, I think they're they're it's sex tech. Okay, sex um, tech. Okay, yeah. let's do yeah. sex tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes I guess they are sex toys, but I think sometimes sex toys get a bad rap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So can you spell the name of that company? Sure, that's D-A-M-E. Oh, Dame. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll have to look those up. Yeah, there's another one um, that's particularly interesting. Um, it's called Keg. That's K-E-double-G. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fertility device. It also, I mean, it's secondary use is that it, it, it's a Kegel trainer, but it's a primary um, use is that it tracks, I believe it's electrolytes in vaginal fluid to help, um, to help, um, assess fertility. Um, it's a really growing project. Electrolytes. Hmm. I guess electrolytes. I hope so. (laughs) We can, we can edit this part out if it's wrong. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's that, okay. People can go and look it up. I'll look it up after this. That's fine. Yeah, sure. But it's a very well put together product, um, as well as really well thought out. Um, I like the way that it's progressing. And it's actually, I think, only recently been available in Australia. Um, so it's, I'd like to see that one grow a lot more here as well. I have to look both of those up. Excellent. Thank sure. you for sharing. Yeah. 
one of the things that I'm using at the moment that I'm really enjoying using is the Myra Fertility device. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because I'm in my late 40s. I'm totally not interested in having a baby. Uh, but what made me want to look at this was, you know, user experience to see if I should recommend it to my patients who are trying to have a baby. And mm. um, I really like it. It's a great little device. Mm. I, I love charts and I, lo- I love numbers. And, and yeah. I find the Myra Fertility device gives you very nice charts and numbers that kind of sync with your phone. Then then you can send to your doctor. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a totally cheap device, but it's, it's, it's mm. really um, – yeah, it's from a user perspective, I really enjoy it and um, I'll be telling mm. a lot of people about it. And I think I, 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 I now into my late 40s, I'm thinking to myself, oh, am I going to miss my periods? And I'm almost kind of relishing the last few years of my periods by paying more attention to them, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting because – no, sorry to interrupt you. It sounds actually quite similar to Keg in some respects, but maybe the mm. um, what they're measuring might be slightly different. I think because I'm pretty sure Keg's it's electrolytes and vaginal fluid, um, but maybe the the end result of uh, assessing your fertility um, is probably the common thread between mm. those two products. So it assesses ovulation, does it, Keg? Uh, in my understanding, yes. Okay, excellent. Well, the more options women have, the better, I say. Oh, absolutely. And uh, there's a lady called Amy Thompson who uh, has written a book called Moody, and I noticed that Moody was a book you guys chose to um, kind of feature on your Femtech Collective book club. So you have a book club. We do. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's. We tried to put out or suggest a a book per month that we find is um, quite relevant to either um, what we're talking about that month um, or just to continue further education for our, our community. I think when I was first starting out in Femtech, I, there's so much to tackle when it comes to women's health, especially if you're not completing a full degree in it. Um, but it's always nice to have some... Um, suggestions of where to look next and um, especially if it's easily consumable for those who are not um, you know medically trained Mm. (laughs) um yeah Yeah, I've learned there's been a lot of uh, great books I've had through the book club Um, a particular one I'm quite interested in is um the book Invisible Women um that's by Caroline yes I've started reading that it's a good book oh it's fantastic isn't it yeah, and I think also, every woman should read terrifying. that book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, – I went into it with the assumption um, that, of, of course, it's, a, a you know, a, a world designed for men. I think she does a fantastic job of really highlighting uh, even aspects that I didn't even think about because um, you think you, – you know about, like, clinical trials and, you know, the office being at a – temperature suitable for men and these things um but you don't think about iphones mm. being better suited for men's hands <laughs> or um, just just little things um that um 
really starts to draw your attention to to the design and um, influence that uh, men have had on the broader <laughs> societal aspects. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I thought of when I was um, starting to read her book was how when I was doing my training, medical training, a lot of the surgical instruments are, are quite large mm. and they're purely designed for men's hands, you know, not, not women's hands. And now more women are going into surgery and into to medicine and you kind of think, will that ever change? But I suppose that depends on whether the people designing the products are women or women focused or sensitive to that. Um, and I, yeah, I always found a lot of the instruments very cumbersome to hold and then I thought to myself, oh, is this, am I just a crap surgeon or is it because I'm using a crap instrument for me, you know? Um, absolutely. So, yeah, I started reading that book. I haven't finished it and I absolutely need to. So thanks for reminding me about that one. Um, any yeah, other yeah. books that you guys have read as part of the book club that you think we should read? Yeah, there, there's been a few. Um, I particularly liked um, Seeing Red. Um, that is by, um, Kristen Karchmer, um, Kirsten Karchmer, apologies. Um, it was just a deeper, deeper look at, um, women's cycles and how much, how much we should really have a little bit more data on women's menstruation and how it, I think the biggest takeaway for me um, I, I don't, I don't think all of the solutions offered in the book are, are for me specifically. Um, but the biggest takeaway that really, um, I found helpful was women have a monthly cycle there for a monthly health benchmark to track their, their cycle as well as their health. <laughs> um, and we think of, we think of um, our cycles as, you know, especially if you're someone that uses a um, period tracking app as uh, something that you do so the app can let you know <laughs> when your period is coming or when you're ovulating or just even to plan your month around if you're prone to migraines or acne or these kinds of things. Um, but the idea that you could use it as a benchmark to improve your health um, to, it's something even to, which I, I'm coming more prone to as well is using your, um, you know, there's a lot of apps now who will dis, um, distribute uh, monthly reports of your data that you can share with your doctor. Um, that I find is a much better approach, I think, to um, be able to well, one, treat women, um, but also even for patients. And, you know, if I'm going in with a terrible migraine and I'm just asking my GP to solve this one thing now, um, it's not really taking into context that maybe I get this migraine the same week every month. Um, and that's a broader thing that we can uh, work together to treat instead of just um, the one-off. So I find that, I find that book quite interesting. Um, another one that I'm actually currently reading, um, is 
just want to get the title for you, is um, How the Pill Changes Everything. Oh, yeah. Another book I've got I haven't read yet. (laughs) Changes your brain. Oh, that one is, um, I'm only about halfway through it, but it's uh, (laughs) eye-opening. Is it the book Um, where she mentions that if you're on the pill, uh, the combined oral contraceptive pill, that the choice of partner or the guy guy you choose to be your partner who you find attractive at the time when you're on the pill may not be so attractive when you come off the pill? I think that's the one. Mm. I I, I don't remember that exact example, but the idea is that the pill is pumping so much essentially chemicals into your body that it's changing your preferences and it's changing your personality and your mm. <laughs> every aspect of um, who you are because you're offering, you're putting in, you know, a foreign substance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was um, disturbing <laughs> and also enlightening at the same time. Um, it's been quite a while since I've been on the pill myself, um, but I can, Definitely say it wasn't an easy experience being on it. Mm. Oh, look, there are many benefits to being on the pill, but overwhelmingly I see so many women who say that when they have come off the pill, they feel like a different person, their mood improves, <laughs> they're less anxious, uh, and there is evidence for it now. There's, there, there's actually good medical evidence for this, uh, which is why when women – uh, uh, recommended to go on the pill, they should also be told, hey, in addition to the risk of deep venous thrombosis, there is also the more probably common risk or chance that you might get a bit depressed or anxious. And I think mm. for way too long, doctors have not been good at telling women about that fact, actually. Mm. And whether it's because the studies haven't been done until more recently, I don't know. Um, no. But yeah, tell your girlfriends. <laughs> It is interesting, especially, and I don't know if this is something that's been internal in the femtech community because that is my bubble, <laughs> or if it's more broadly. Um, but you find this, you find this conversation coming up when you look at the COVID vaccine mm. and how there's so much fuss on what um, what might happen to your health after you take the vaccine, um, particularly how it affects your period and um, you know, a lot of a lot of individuals who are quite frightened about what this blood clot um, circumstance might be. And for me, I find that wild. <laughs> I think it's the only word you can say when you think about how many women are encouraged or um, let's say even suffer through the the consequences of what the pill can do to them (laughs) and those also being blood clots those also being mental health issues and and weight gain all these different things um it's almost as if uh, we're forced to suffer suffer through it because this is the best or one of the best options we're given um whereas with the vaccine we can we're seeing like oh we can maybe be picky um these not but i'm saying um that it's not worth getting the vaccine, but it's um, definitely um, an interesting approach. I I, I agree. And, uh, you know, when women, women are pregnant and when they've just had a baby, they have a huge increased risk of clotting. Uh, you know, and I always say that the riskiest thing a woman can do really is get pregnant. It's actually a risky thing to do to get pregnant. Um, mm. And, 
It would be interesting to line up, I think, from a public health messaging perspective, the risks of pregnancy and having a baby compared to having a vaccine, um, oh, yeah. whether it's a COVID vaccine or um, or any other vaccine, and then lining that up against the pill. Because often, and we do, we, we've actually got charts in our rooms as doctors where we actually um, have comparison charts of um, the risk of a woman being on the pill and her having a, a, a clot and her uh, not being on the pill and having a clot. And uh, I think, and one of my colleagues, Devorah Lieberman says, you know, humans are not very good at assessing risk or even understanding. It's more about understanding risk. Yeah. And we're not really good at ex- maybe explaining it and we need some good epidemiologists maybe to get out there and, just put it in a, a, a simple graphical form. But I also understand why people will be scared and question yeah. things. I think questioning things is super important. And, yes, what will happen to our periods after we've had the jab? Some women's periods may change. Um, but my understanding so far from the limited events we have worldwide of what the COVID vaccine is doing to us is that things are temporary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, watch this space really – um, yeah. But uh, can, you know your your point about women just being given the pill and hey go away and take this, mm. uh, and don't, not even talking about the the bigger risks uh, mm. uh, is yeah I, I'm mind blowing. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I, I mean, I guess we're getting into a conversation of broader human behavior where first a, a vaccine that could essentially end a pandemic and avoid you a death for yourself or for you to pass it on to someone else um we're picky about um but <laughs> um you know a a with contraception or with the pill um we're becoming more wary of it um as far as how it affects us but um it's it's as if we are finding maybe our voice to be a little bit more picky. Um, I'm just hoping that we're um, using that voice in the right space. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yes, of course, um, you should know your health and you should um, really um, ensure that you're getting the best product possible. Um, but I want, I, I, I really want to make sure that, um, you know, women are having that voice um, and that it's targeted in the right space. Yeah, and I think, you know, fear is a big driver, isn't it? I mean, mm. fear, a lot of women go on the pill because they fear, they fear pregnancy. Yeah, that's, that's a, right. That's valid. Um, yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so tell me, uh, Femtech Collective, uh, I've read on your social media, have a week-long event between the 25th to the 29th of July, which is very soon. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, that event is called Let's Fund Femtech, um, Breaking Barriers to Female Health. Um, the idea is that Femtech, a big challenge for Femtech, it falls around investment and fundraising. Um, it's been an ongoing challenge for the industry um, since its genesis, and with this week-long event, we're hoping to look at um, each aspect of fundraising. May it be angel investment, uh, investing through a VC, um, acquisition, and friends and family, all these different aspects. 
um, to really see what's the best fundraising uh, route for you and your uh, potential business or for potential business you might be starting in FemTech. Um, but also from the other side, um, where more where more individuals could look to invest in the femtech industry more broadly, um, trends that are coming through, and what the law is around um, the fundraising in femtech. Um, it's a very exciting event. We're very quite excited about. Um, we have about ten to fifteen investors um, who are interested in investing in femtech uh, joining us, um, as well as um, some great founders with some success stories. Um, so it should be a fantastic event, even if you're just interested in the industry more broadly. Um, there should be a lot of information and uh, great discussion. So obviously all online? That's correct. Um, we, are, we are a virtual community, um, or sorry, a global community. Um, so we are, for the last couple of years, we have been doing most of our events online. Um, that seems to allow more people to attend, especially for an event like this. Uh, hopefully one day we can start having more in-person events. Um, Sydney is currently in a small lockdown. So hopefully that happens here <laughs> sooner rather than later. Mm. And before I ask you some more personal questions, uh, what does the future hold in Femtech, Megan? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there, there's still a lot to do in female health innovation and research. Um, as the industry progresses, we'll be, begin to see female health become more accessible and personalized so women don't have to uh, suffer through their health. Um, I believe in Femtech we'll see care consider um, different aspects um, that should be considered in treatment. So um, and that would probably be around patient profiles. So considering um, patients of minority groups or different cultures or race to better treat patients for, from a holistic perspective. Um, I also believe we will see female health utilize this holistic approach um, to be able to diagnose women based on their complete health um, and not just one aspect um, or stage of it. That's kind of what we talked about a bit earlier. Um, I also believe as more more data is collected, especially as patients are self-documenting, which we talked about with tracking with applications and devices. Um, doctors will have more longitudinal data to analyze and be able to benchmark over time. Um, again, how you're already seeing this in menstruation apps or um, using with you know AI AI powered fertility. Um, it's really it's really the way that we're moving forward. Um, really integrating technology a bit more, and but also considering um, a more personalized approach. I think, I think right now a lot of femtech is really, really in more need of diversity of who's making, um, the technology right now. It is a very white cisgendered, um, industry. Mm. <laughs> um, and we are seeing that change. Um, but we're really encouraging a bit more of that so that it can be more wide reaching and appropriate for more patients going forward. Yeah. I think your point about it being personalized is um, very valid mm. because in, in medicine, we talk always about the personalized approach, uh, mm. personalized medicine and yeah, technology enables us to do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um so tell me, Megan, which people have been your biggest inspirations in your life thus far? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, I mean, there's quite a few who have helped. Um, you know, I had a, a mentor through my master's degree who really guided me um, through how to direct my um my research towards my career, which has been really valuable. Um, a few others along the way to be able to establish um, the businesses that I have, especially with the Femtech Collective. Um, you know, we have a fantastic um, board who has really, I feel like they've been more mentors to me than just advisors. <laughs> um, so to, to name um, Courtney Bowie from her lawyer has been really helpful and inspirational to um, propel Femtech Collective forward, um, as well as Melina from Franklin Women has been super helpful for progressing the community and um, just fairly backed us in, in pushing forward. But I think what's, what's interesting about my role is I, I'm very lucky to be able to talk to inspiring founders every day. Um, who are making impactful, lasting change for women around the world, it makes it very easy to show up to work um, because they're, they're creating inspiring innovations all the time. And I hope <laughs> that I get to help them uh, along that way and um, really help them succeed in any way possible. So it's really great to be able to hear their stories as well. Yeah, you must be surrounded by a lot of uh, driven women, which which must be really good. Well, I would like that. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's sometimes a little intimidating, but it's it's a great motivator. Mm. And how about favorite books? I know you mentioned a few earlier, but how about things that are yeah. not necessarily related to femtech? Yeah, that's. Um, I think um, I'm a few. I'm a huge fan of Sapiens. I know a lot of people have read that one. That one's really. Um, one that continues to blow my mind every time I go back to it. Um, there was a recent one that I really liked, um, actually read in the last lockdown, um, which was, um, it was called Trick Mirror. It's by Gia Tolentino. Mm -hmm. um, it was a great lockdown read. It was, it's a set of essays, so it's very consumable and uh, she's a fantastic descriptive writer. Um, but it explores, um, different ways of how uh, maybe not necessarily women, but in her case, women uh, dilute themselves. Um, and it's written in such a way that she's kind of bringing light to some of her delusions. And it, it was, to me, it was very relatable and captivating. And um, it felt like I was having a conversation with the author, which is always a, a great breed to have. That's great. And essays are a nice kind of short, ish chapters i would assume yeah that's right yeah easy to get through easier mm. uh songs that make you happy yeah um i i really like um valerie by amy winehouse that that one always gets me wanting to dance <laughs> um some other ones um, always keen to put some Taylor Swift on. <laughs> Taylor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, her, her recent album is uh, is actually really good. I really like it. Yeah, yeah it was great. I'm going back through, she's re-recording all of her stuff um, under her own name um, with her own rights. Um, so going back and listening to the discography. <laughs> so mm. it's, uh, yeah, I'm always happy to have her on. 
And do you have a dream collaboration? That's a great question. Um, I recently made a Hail Mary pass <laughs> and tried to reach out or reached out to uh, Julia Gillard. Oh, um, So Julia, if you're listening, <laughs> love for you to join us and give that government uh, woman in leadership perspective on women's health. Um, I think that would be a fantastic um, uh, perspective and would be very interested to hear what she hears about or thinks about femtech. She's written a book, hasn't she? About her life. Oh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, or oh, she's co-written a book maybe with somebody else. But I, I was yeah, watching um, on ABC there was a clip where she talks about clothing uh, and women and how uh, when she uh, became the leader of the nation, people would often comment about mm-hmm. what she was wearing and yeah. uh, and she's like, well, how come they don't do that with the men? Why? 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 Mm. Sh- why does my jacket or my dress really matter? Uh, mm. I, 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 I really like her too. Yeah, I read a, a couple books around this idea during. Um, oh, it must have been the 2016 American election or U.S. election, because um, I was talking about Hillary's influence and um, how it's so bogus. <laughs> And how it just really sets women so far behind when you have to consider um, these different aspects and um, how they are asked about their emotions and who they think are cute and um, are, you know, subjected to just rumors on rumors of just, uh, (laughs) I don't know, rumors of just like, uh, how their relationship with their staff and these different things, it's, um, it's almost, it's impossible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone should wear a uniform. Every, every woman should wear a uniform mm. to work. Just a plain, boring uniform. What would that look like? <laughs> I suppose I'm biased because that's what I do. I just wear scrubs now and I've just found it the most liberating thing in my whole entire life because I don't okay. have to think about what to wear every day. I just do what they, you know, Steve Jobs, whatever, apparently he did that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I just I just find it so liberating because I don't have to put on high heel shoes. I do that mm-hmm. after hours if I have to, but when I go to work, I yeah. just go to work. And I, I, I often I often wonder what it would look like if every single woman one day just did that, just wore mm. a uniform to work every day, how that would change mm. things. And that uniform mm. not being a skirt, actually, uh, yeah. or if she wanted it to be a skirt, it could be, or pants, skirt or pants, mm. but just the same boring thing every day. Yeah. Anyway. It is true because it's the last when, – when you're – Trying to work for something when you want your merit to be the first consideration. The last thing women want to worry about is their body. <laughs> they, just, they just don't want it to be something they have to think about and or someone else is thinking about. And yeah, maybe maybe you need to mandate a nationwide uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> it's also a comfort factor. And when you're comfortable yeah. wearing whatever you're wearing, and look, hey, you know, some women are comfortable wearing six, well, I don't know how many inch heel Louis, um, mm. what's this, Christian Laboutons or yeah. I don't know how women wear those, but they do and uh, they look fabulous. But, you know, and some women walk in them like, you know, there's no tomorrow. 
but I would love to change that in, in in for women. I would love to change that and not have to put on 50 layers of makeup every day to go to work. Um, mm. You know, how much time does that take up every day? Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm asking questions for uh, about you. Sure. Uh, my last <laughs> question to you is top five tips for being a kick-ass CEO. Mm, okay. Um, I think first and foremost, um, do a lot of listening to make sure you're listening way before you're speaking. Um, I think that's the best way to gauge your team, your customer, your client, whoever it is. Um, being the person who is doing the most talking um, doesn't show your intelligence. It just shows that you, you're not listening to or you're not hearing uh, what the other person wants and needs. Um, I say um, push yourself to be uncomfortable. Um, you have to be prepared never to stop learning. Um, may that be of your business or your client's business or um, your team. Um, I'd say for me, which is really valuable is to really put my people, my team um, above profit. Um, I think thinking of your team as just a tool <laughs> to get your company uh, profitable is, is not the best way forward. They are very valuable and um, it's, it's very important to uh, not get swept up in that and, and really put your people first. Um, and then I think lastly on that note, I'd say surround yourself with a team that's better than you. Um, you, they're coming to you because they respect your leadership. Um, but you want them to excel your skill set um, and really um, work well together. And if they're not better than you, then you probably don't have the right team. Love it. Thank you very much for those insights. Yeah, thank you. They're, um, yeah, I think you could work, you, whether you're a CEO or not, you could use that every day or that little list. I hope so. Yeah. I hope it's relatable. I think, yeah, I think um, I mentioned team a lot there, but I think that could also be just who you surround yourself with, your mm. friends or mm. otherwise. Well, thank you, Megan, for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And and giving us a, an update on, on Femtech and, and importantly sharing, uh, you know, a bit of uh, a, a few nuggets about how we can get help if we had an idea as a woman for our, uh, women. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Megan Capriccio. Share this episode with someone if you think it will help or inspire them. Please subscribe to the Fanny Mechanic channel and if you haven't already, hop over and give the show a fantastic rating. Shoot me a message on Instagram, Dr. Tash Fanny Mechanic and join the Fanny Mechanic podcast group on Facebook. Let me know of any topics you'd like to hear, cool people like an interview or books for us to read and share. Until next time, stay fanny-tabulous.